Hello, hello. You found us again on Boomerangs. This is Ruth. And this is Mike. Today, we're going to talk about Donald Trump's refusal to accept the results of the election and what that might mean for the future of democracy. Mike has been watching The Jinx. Yes, on HBO Max. Not new, but extremely compelling. I tried watching the trial of the Chicago 7. I'll talk about that for a bit. And then I watched the newest first episode of The Crown. Oh, it's my gosh. Back. Yes. So this would be the second season with Olivia Colman. Exactly. Oh, I didn't even know. And the first season with Princess Diana. Oh, my God. I can't wait. Well, mm. I have to wait to tell us. talk about it. But it's okay. definitely been worth the wait. So Trump is not buying what we're selling, and neither are his supporters, apparently. There was a million MAGA march in the, the Capitol. Oh, yeah. I think they said up to 10,000. It, it was a large number. But Kaylee McEnany, she I said- I love saying her name, I know it. <laughs> McEnany, she <laughs> said, amazing. One million marchers came out to support- <laughs> Support President Trump today. She's so weird. And did you, she was on some show on Fox and they asked her about what's the president's plan for when January 20th comes. And she says, oh, that's a question you should direct to the White House. Yes, I heard her say that. Aren't you the spokesperson for the mm -hmm. White House? I learned something today about Trump. I listened to the NBC Sunday morning show, Meet the Press. One commentator was saying something that I did not really, I haven't really acknowledged until I heard someone say it outright, that we can't forget that 70 million people in this country voted for Trump. Oh, yeah. And they like it when yeah. he refuses to concede. What I didn't see before is they don't like him in spite of that stuff. They like him because of it. Oh, yeah. That's a problem. It's a huge problem because what I'm beginning to understand about people who are big Trump backers, a lot of people who are big Trump backers, that they feel victimized. Mm -hmm. His victimization is their victimization. I was just watching a piece. It was done in like November 22nd, 2016. Mm -hmm. And it was with Richard Spencer, who was a known white supremacist. And people were literally saying, hail Trump and giving him the Sig mm -hmm. Heil sign. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And someone from the BBC was interviewing a gentleman. He pulled aside and said, well, what do you say to people who are African-American what, what do you say to them when they say that they are concerned and that they feel that they're being pushed aside? And he said, well, why don't they think about what we feel? We're being pushed aside. We're being mm -hmm. marginalized. Mm -hmm. We're being made the minority. And how do you argue with shit like that? I mean, that is that person's truth. Yeah. And I don't think those people, I think they've just grown more, more toxic and more belligerent. I mean, you see his groups, they have Nazi flags and- Confederate. Well, yes, Confederate flags. Mm -hmm. So they're waving these things around. What, what can be done about this? Mm -hmm. Well, I wish I were a historian and a sociologist because I would like to know if there is something about when a mass of people feels that they have been wronged, does that make them more apt to gravitate toward an authoritarian leader? and figure, yes, someone yes. who's really absolutist. Maybe they sense a certain power in that that helps offset the powerlessness that they are feeling. Because in Germany, wasn't that the whole thing? Wasn't the, the Weimar, yes. The, the ground, the Weimar, the, yeah. The fertile ground for Hitler was that yes. people, the, the Germans had been treated horribly at the close of World War One, And they had, you know, they had been treated unfairly in their view anyway. Yes. Plus, they've been humiliated. And I guess that leads to you're wanting someone who is going to 
break all the furniture and yeah. boss people around right. and, and break and, the rules. And otherizing. Otherizing. That was yeah. the thing with the Jews. The Jews had right. risen yes. levels that they weren't allowed to rise to. They were right. supposed to be subordinate to right. the Aryans. I was right. just reading about this in cast because what did the Germans study but our miscegenation laws, our racist laws? Right. That's what the Germans study to find out how we marginalized African Americans. Oh, really? So that they could apply it to their Jewish population? Yes. I am very worried about this vocal and armed group right. of men and women who are feeling extremely butthurt is what they're feeling. They're but feeling hurt? butthurt is when you're really hurt and you're crying about it. You know, there are two ways that this could go. Trump could recede without conceding. He could just recede. Like I said, Chris Rock said last week that he would just go to Mar-a-Lago, kind of disappear. Then I believe he will come back in some form, either as a political figure or as a media figure and yeah. will go from there he'll try or to be he, the new roger ailes he'll, tr he'll try to yes, start a, yes. a conservative news network or or take over newsmax i guess it's the one yes. where the, the former fox fans are moving to newsmax what i realized when i heard that piece today on meet the press was if i imagine myself having a discussion with a trump supporter i think oh well, I'll point out the fact that he doesn't pay taxes and that will stop them in their tracks. Or, oh, I'll point out the fact that he likes to sexually assault women by grabbing them by the genitals. That'll stop them in their tracks. I'll mention these horrible things he does and they'll have to agree with me that he's a horrible person. But today I got it. I'm repeating, but they like him because he does those things. Yes. They, they like do. him because he pays no taxes. Yes. They like him because he, he assaults women. Well, they, they like him because he pays no taxes. He is not shamed by not paying taxes. He mm -hmm. is proud of not paying taxes. Right. And he all the other things he does. Smart. All the other things that he does, it's called owning the libs. Oh, Anything okay. that he can do to own the libs means right. that it makes us clutch our pearls. Well, I was going to say, are we playing into it? I don't see an alternative to clutching our pearls because the things he does and says are so outlandish. But well, um, I look at Joe Biden and... He doesn't clutch his pearls. No, no. He that's basically true. said he was an embarrassment. He's treating him with a dismissal, more or less. Yes. I don't think that the 70 million voters are going to go away because we dismiss them. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the solution to right. the problem of having, as I was saying last week, this portion of the population that's cleaving away mm -hmm. from our government, from mm -hmm. our democracy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at a certain point, isn't it sedition? If Trump buys into that, if he pretends to be, which is a true scenario that I didn't get to because I was talking around myself, but that he becomes the self-appointed president of his supporters so that mm -hmm. those 70 million people believe that right, the election the right was stolen leader. from him. Mm -hmm. That's right. He got the most votes, but it was stolen from him. Right. And the libs did it and they're mad as hell and they're not going to take yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I think really for him, the only reason he's doing what he's doing now is because he can keep doing fundraising. He keeps sending out things saying, yeah. I need your help for these legal battles in the elections they're trying to steal from me. Because he knows, he knows he's in for a bad stretch after he leaves the White House, legally yes. speaking, and he is yes. going to need that money for lawyers. For the sociopath, the, the thing they really hate is to have you not think about them. True. They won't go away. They, they will not go away. Shall we go on to the jinx? The jinx, yeah.
So it's the story of Robert Durst, the heir to this big commercial real estate fortune in New York City. Now, I've only watched two episodes, but he was accused of killing his first wife, I think. And the part I'm watching is going into that now. But you don't have to worry about spoiler alerts because the whole story is already out. Wikipedia, you can read this story. But what's interesting is that right now, if what I read was up to date, he's right now being tried for another murder. So in a way, it's current because his case is pending. What's shocking about it to me is you get a really good close-up experience of what a real deep, hardcore sociopath is like. And you get that frightening sense of how if you don't look at him for too long, it's very easy to perceive him as completely normal. Well, he looks normal. He talks relatively normally. But yeah, no, there's a big black hole in there. It's also interesting. They ask him about his mother and how she died when he was seven years old. That stands out to me as the most horrific story. It is. It's obviously was traumatic for him and would be for anybody. Um, but extra traumatic because it looked like nobody helped him as a kid process that. They, it was just his like father your took mother him has to watch his his mother right before she fell to her death. And he was making fun of her and saying, "Look how crazy she is." Am I remembering that right? I yes, mean, you you are. And then afterwards, though, what saddens me about his story is that if he's to be believed in how he described it, there was no follow up. Exactly. It's like your mother's dead. Suddenly you're at the funeral. They're putting her yeah. in the ground. He's seven years old. He can't process all of this stuff. And nobody is just saying, hey, are you okay? Anyway, it's like nature or nurture. It's like maybe there was a little bit of both that made him that way. Yeah, I felt pity for him for what he went through as a child. And I can only imagine the warping that would go on Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in the mind of someone who was so informed and this horrible tragedy Mm-hmm. took place and and the father's response and i don't remember he had a brother i think or a sister yeah he had two younger brothers and a younger sister but still that was horrific but can i tell you about another murder sure he had a i, I think they described him as his roommate and these things seemed to come down to a tussle over money or property i mean his murders seemed to come mm-hmm. down to that mm-hmm. and killed his roommate, cut up his body, put it in various plastic bags. I think this was in Florida. Galveston, maybe. Because oh, the, Texas. That's yeah, right. Yeah, because it, it opens with that crime, but then it moves into his biography. Oh, okay. He was exonerated, which is so unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, he did it. It mm-hmm. wasn't as if, you know, he told the judge that he was being wrongly accused. Right. He did it and right. was charged and was let go. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I feel a little guilty watching it and finding it interesting because yet again, I'm drawn to the darkest programming. But I don't know. I just find we it all interesting. Are. As someone who has dated sociopaths, <laughs> I find it very enlightening and, yeah. and also kind of comforting because I see these good people who are drawn to these people who are emotionally dead. They're dead, but they mimic behavior that makes us think that they're not dead. That's right. And that's why they are so powerful. Right. Is that they have the ability to manipulate without us Mm -hmm. being able to detect it. And that's. There there probably is an unconscious mutual attraction between people like that and people who already maybe have some kind of damaged sense of who they are anyway and are looking for maybe a bit of a savior in a relationship. 
Well, Charles Manson comes to mind because yeah. he had so many people who were following him and a lot right. of them were young women. I mean, he preyed on young women who were mm -hmm. insecure and didn't right. have a real strong sense of themselves. So right. I guess he could be one example. Mm -hmm. And as it goes along, you'll just find it more and more fascinating. He, he is really quite the subject for a documentary. And yeah. the documentarians are really good at pulling apart the most fascinating pieces of the puzzle. Yeah, I was worried. They play the part where Robert Durst calls the filmmaker to say that he will do an interview. Oh, yeah. And, and he's talking on the phone and he's saying how he normally doesn't do interviews and he's never done them, but he wants to have a chance to get his side of the story out. And my only thought was, I wonder if he's going to kill the filmmaker. Oh, <laughs> it yeah. Seemed like he was like, why would he come out of the shadows all of a sudden and want to talk to this guy other than wanting to kill him? That's a possibility. The other thing is that as with true sociopaths, they believe that they're more clever than mm. the rest of the population. Oh, so right. he probably thought, well, if I get this filmmaker to make a film and I can really spin my tail around right. him and get him to believe in what I'm telling him. Oh, I that's could, right. I could be exonerated. The filmmaker had already done something on him already, I think, because they showed a theater in New York where some film had been shown and he had seen it. So I, I think, think he did a fictional version Oh, that may be it. Of his story. Based I, on it. Mm -hmm. I, yes, I can't remember. I know that there was a fictional version that starred Ryan Gosling and Kirsten oh, okay. Dunst. Yes, that was it, because they showed posters and I remember seeing her. But it was really only about the wife's disappearance and, and okay. uh, murder. It, okay. was, it didn't include the other two. What we realize is a lot of fact going through right. the documentary. Right, right. They got a lot of it straight up. It shows you, too, that it takes a lot of work, physical work, to kill someone and chop them up. I mean, it's a huge task. It's not easy. You if need tools. it was tools. easy, everybody would do it. That was his third murder. I, I don't know the sequence in the mm -hmm. documentary, I forget. But he murdered, now I forget how he got rid of his wife's body, but he really planned that one. Then there was the death of his best friend, who was the only person who knew she aided and abetted ah. the murder of the wife. And she was getting ready to tell that's when he got busy. <laughs> he so, knew what he had to do. Oh, yeah. And once, you, once you've taken care of two people, what's to stop you from taking mm -hmm. care of someone else who's just, you know, bugging the shit out of you? Mm -hmm. I mean, you've mm -hmm. gotten away with it twice. Why not a third time? Oh, boy. Well, they'll have fun. Yeah. They'll have fun, cool. fun, fun. I tried to watch The Trial of the Chicago Seven, mm -hmm. written and directed by Aaron Sorkin oh, right. of uh, the Social Network fame and West Wing. I had heard that it was very speechy, but that didn't bother me because I worked at CBS when David Kelly was reigning supreme there. And oh. boy, there was nobody who had more florid dialogue than he did. So I figured mm -hmm. I could tough it out, even if it was a little over the top. Mm -hmm. But the problem that I had was I remember hearing the Democratic Convention and hearing what was going on there. Do you remember it at all? Yes. You, oh, you definitely. do? Oh, okay. And 500 people were injured. There was one person who was killed, I think. Many cops were injured, but it was considered a police riot that the police really took off on the protesters. And that statistic was not put up front. And so you go into this trial not knowing what they're talking about, oh. not knowing why it's a big deal. 
Well, it was a big deal because all these people were injured. And who was at the bottom of it? Was it the police? Was it the the protesters who thought that they were going to have a peaceful demonstration? Or wasn't the mayor of Chicago part of this? Mayor Daly. Mayor Daly. Yes, he was part of it. He basically was loaded for a bear before anybody even showed up. But it was well acted. My problem was Eddie Redmayne was playing a 28-year-old. He's 40 or he's Mm. 38. Sasha Baron Cohen was playing Abby Hoffman. And Abby Hoffman was 31 when this took place. Sasha Baron Cohen is almost 50. Right. So I could not get over the fact that these people were the wrong ages. Yeah. Tom Hayden, that's who Eddie Redmayne was playing. Oh, Tom, Tom Hayden, Hayden. Mr. Yeah. Jane Fonda. And he did a really great job. It's just that something was wrong. My verisimilitude was, mm-hmm. was, was being fucked with. And it was very, very talky. I got to about an hour into it and it's a two hour movie. Mm -hmm. And I started wondering like what happened at the DNC? What took place? Who got hurt? What was anybody killed? Once I started reading about that, I lost interest in the whole thing that was the dramatization. And the one piece of it that I was really interested in was what happened with Bobby Seale who was the only Black defendant and who I believe was sent up the river and the Mm -hmm. rest of them went free. Bobby Seale, because he was the head of the Black Panthers, just got nailed to the cross. Right. Oh, that's depressing. I would have watched a film just about Bobby Seale's experience. All of his scenes were really wonderful and he was the appropriate age or he looked like he was. Mm -hmm. I don't know the actor. I couldn't stick with it. And so I can't really recommend it because it was flawed. You were pulled out. Yes. I was pulled out of it. Mm -hmm. Reality called to me. (laughs) The one thing I'll say is I then switched over to the fourth season of The Crown, Mm. which is so wonderful. Last season was kind of, she was great. Olivia Coleman was great. Yeah. The storylines weren't that the the romance had faded. Exactly. Margaret was still acting up, but I don't find Helena Bottom Carter as compelling as uh, yeah. what's her name? Well, the, the younger version? Her last name is Kirby. Her first oh. name starts with a V. She was just yeah. so tremendous. I, I love Helena Bonham Carter. I think she's funny and interesting and smart and quirky, but she does for me what you said those actors did for you in the Chicago 7. I get pulled out of the story when she comes yeah. on screen. Yeah. She's like this really tasty, interesting dish in a really bland <laughs> buffet. And suddenly it's like, what, what is this? You know, this yeah. doesn't come here. Not only that, but I don't feel the same kind of, I mean, Margaret is a profoundly selfish character, but I don't feel the same kind of empathy for her or the feelings of sympathy for the situation that she's in. Yes, She really seems to be creating it all on her own in in Helena Bonham Carter. I'm sure there will be more of her, but the great thing that's happening is they are looking for a princess for Charles. Charles, And we finally meet Diana. Oh, boy. Who is a wonderful actress who resembles her no one is ever going to look like diana completely but resembles her and has her manner and yeah is willowy oh, and just delightful and i think that this whole season is charles and diana Oh, and boy. what's going on with that. And probably mm. Andrew and Fergie as mm. well, because they factored into it. But even from the opening scenes, the money that they spend on this thing, it's just oh. unbelievable. They have the gilt carriage with the horses and the mm. beef eaters and no expense has been spared on this. And Josh O'Connor, who plays Prince Charles of Wales, he was in the Durrells. 
I could never remember oh. that that was the way to pronounce it. I always thought it was the Durrells. No, it's the Durrells. But he played the eldest son in the Durrells. Okay. And I was so excited to see him play Charles because I saw his yeah. name. And he does such a wonderful job. He's a completely different character than the one he played in the family drama. And he's just fabulous. And his ears stick out. Is this a new Charles from last season? No, oh, no. it's the same Charles. Same guy. The he same was Charles. Good. Oh, yeah. And that's who you're talking about. The guy yes. who played Charles last year yes. as well. Sorry, I wasn't oh, yeah. clear on that. I just can't wait for the rest oh, I look of forward it. to that. That'll be yeah. great. Yeah, 10 episodes. Yeah. And how's Prince Philip? Is he much in this one? Because I remember that actor was very good also. Tobias Menzies, yes. He's fabulous. I've only watched one episode, but there's a scene between Charles and Philip having to do with Mountbatten, and it's a killer scene. They're such worthy actors. That's what I love about The Crown is Peter Morgan has such a great way of writing where he puts words in into these actors' mouths, and they are completely capable of making them personal and real. I yeah. don't know how they do it. <laughs> it's yeah. so nice to see a show where you get that sense of kind of like delight and wonder, and how do they think of that? It's so true. I've now accepted Olivia Coleman. I did feel twinges of wanting Claire Foy back because oh. I felt she was just, I don't know, tantalizing and wonderful. And yes, so brilliantly repressed. Exactly. There, oh, Oh, and I forgot that Gillian Armstrong plays Margaret Thatcher. Oh, she is brilliant. Oh, boy, She's, this sounds fun. I'm going to parse out just one episode per night. Mm. I'm going to skip nights if I can just to extend Stretch the experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I know that once I get to the end of it, I'm going to be very sad. <laughs> because <laughs> it will be over. another two years <laughs> before the next <laughs> crown is crowned. Oh, yeah. man. Do you think they'll keep Diana's story going into the next season? Or? Or are they going to have I think they'll keep it going until she dies. That's what I mean, oh, yeah. but they won't be telescoped where her whole arc happens in this one season. Oh, I can't imagine they probably that. probably can't because they have to get the divorce and they have to. Yeah, they have to go through all the scandals and right. Camilla and all of the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, that's good. I look forward to watching that. I can't wait until you see it. I cannot wait to talk to you about it. I have to go and watch episode two now. Yeah. I've said everything I have to say. <laughs> Mom just completely talked out. That doesn't happen very often. <laughs> it never happens to me. <laughs> this is a singular event here. It's, it's Take a first. <laughs> oh. Well, this was fun. It was great. I have time to watch one show before I go to bed tonight. So I'm going to have to, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll have to flip a four-sided coin. <laughs> <laughs> It's well, so long, boomers. Bye, boomers. We'll it carry on, and we'll see you next week. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Okay. Bye. Bye.